Turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 26. Yes, Labor Day picnic. What are the details of that? We're going to do that at... Perfect, 3 o'clock Sunday at Aggie's house, Labor Day picnic, bring a dish. It's a week from Monday. A week from today. Sunday, next Sunday. Next Sunday, Labor Day picnic. We're going to labor to bring dishes to Aggie's house, and we're going to have a good time there. All right? Perfect. Acts chapter 26 you know, we've been doing this series on the gifts, I'm sorry, on the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And this morning I got up and um, God, I was just preparing the message. And uh, if you're a preacher, you're going to know what I'm talking about. As I'm preparing the message, you're just not feeling that this is what God's mind is for that morning. And I'm just thinking, I just started thinking about this other aspect of the fruits of the Spirit and I began to think on this subject of our purpose. And the ninth fruit of the Spirit is temperance or self-control. And this is what uh, stirred the thought up in my mind about this whole subject of purpose, God's purpose. And tonight at the meeting, I want to just finish the fruits of the Spirit. So if you'd like to hear the rest of them, please come tonight. Um, we'll talk about them, we'll finish them. But the last fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, verse 22 and 23 is uh, the fruit uh, which is called self-control. And uh, very briefly, I want to review this, that when we talk about fruit, we're not talking about work. Because the work in Galatians chapter 5, the work of the flesh because the flesh doesn't have any fruit. It just has work. It just works. The energy of the flesh is always something that is temporal and has no eternal lasting effect to it. And so when God's called us, He's called us to be filled with the Holy Spirit, walk in the Spirit, and bear fruit in the Spirit. And one of those fruits, by the way, we cannot produce fruit ourselves. And God has not called you and I to produce fruit. God has called us to walk in the Spirit. When we walk in the Spirit, we bear fruit. Okay? And so, self-control really is from a Greek word, which is edkratia, uh, ed which means basically power over yourself. And what that means is this. Is, well, let's just say it this way, is that many people today have no power of discipline in their personal life because they have no purpose. They have no reason. They have no big eternal why. And if we were to ask today, you and I, if we were to ask ourselves today, uh, why do you get out of bed in the morning? What motivates you and I to get out of our bed in the morning? And if we were to ask today, why do we go to work? Why do we do what we do? Why does Wesley drive from Lancaster, all the way to Lancaster to Hatboro for church. If we were to ask this question, why? I mean, why do the Sunday school teachers every Sunday, uh, Christine and, and Sarah, minister to the kids? Why do we have a music group up here practicing on Wednesday nights, you know, practicing and learning and learning and practicing to get the music down 
so that it flows Sunday morning with an anointing. Why do they do that? Why do we come here? And I was thinking this morning, I said to my wife, who's not feeling very well this morning, I said to her, I said, you know, honey, we live here in this area for no other reason than to minister to this church. And we were, we were talking about this, like, we didn't move to the area here because uh, there was a better economy here or that we had a better housing situation or that our work moved us here. Or We came here because of Jesus Christ in the church here. Isn't that amazing? And when we ask ourselves, you know, Carl's from upstate New York, what's he doing here? You know, it's like when we ask ourselves these questions, why do we do what we do? If we don't have the proper answer, then we're not going, we're going to have a motivational crisis. And we're not going to understand why we do what we do. How many understand what I'm saying? After the 20th diaper, moms sometimes wonder, why am I doing this? You know, dads, when they go to work, put up with what they put up with with everybody at work and then come home wasted and tired and you know and not making enough money to make ends meet they can ask themselves why do I do this why do I do what I do you know this week as you notice if you're watching the news there was a very bad week or last two weeks have been very bad for the stock market I don't have any stocks but the stock market has has fallen this was the third worst drop in the stock market this past week, in the history of the stock market. And it's, and it's very, the stock market is very emotional, by the way. And, and you know, what happens is, is that, and, you know, with that comes suicides that are based, you know, that some of these investors that have a lot of money in the market um, commit suicide because they lose all their money. And they lose a lot of money of other people's money that they are, that are, that they are investing in. And so they don't understand, they don't have, their why has then at this point been crushed and they've lost lots of money. And so if our why is not defined, and even if it is defined and it's a temporal why and not an eternal why, then when problems happen, we're going to be crushed and we're going to be just disoriented in our life. We are going to be wandering around without a compass. How many of you have ever been in the woods and kind of lost? Okay. I've been in the woods and not knowing where I'm going and then just showing up at a road, not even knowing what road it was. And when we get lost, we need a compass. And we need to be able to answer that question, why? We need to have what is called today a mission statement. Our church has a mission statement. Uh, let me ask you, does your family have a mission statement? Well, you may say, well, my family's not really a spiritual family. But let me ask you, you're here today, do you have a mission statement? For your family. Well, you may say, well, I'm not the head of the household or I'm not in a place of great influence. Well, if you're a Christian with the Holy Spirit inside of you, then you are influencing your family without even trying. You are in, you bring in a spirit into your family that is, that is the spirit of God. What is your mission statement as an employee at a company? I know some of you, I know some of you really have, you know, your, your, your work is tough. You go into work and you're just there to complete a, a task. You're not really an important person. People kind of don't maybe, maybe they, they despise you or they don't treat you nicely. And that's work. Work is work. And that is the curse of the system that we live in. But what is our personal mission statement? And what is our purpose? And we need to be able to answer this question because if we don't, if we're not able to answer this question, 
then we don't have any self-control. We don't have any power over ourselves. Here's another thing. If you're struggling with temptation, what is your purpose in not living in the effects of sin? Well, we have to have that defined, because if that's not defined, then we're just going to spin off into addiction. and We're going to spin off into our weakness. And by the way, every one of us in this room, including myself, has one major weakness that we are all that we are dealing with just about every day of our life. Every single Christian has an old sin nature, and that old sin nature, based on our genetics, and our upbringing, and our experiences in the past, that old sin nature every day is trying to gain control. And so, without a purpose, we are going to fall prey to the old sin nature, and without a purpose, we're going to fall prey to just the way that people are living their lives without God. How many understand what I'm saying? Our purpose needs to be defined. And sometimes, you know, maybe we have financial problems, maybe we have health problems, and we're asking ourselves, what is the purpose of all of this? And sometimes, and many times, and this is the great cry of humanity, why? That's the big question. Why are all these children dying? Uh, You know, how many have heard about the refugees that have been um, smuggled into Europe and they die on the way. You know, these Afghanis and these Middle Easterners that are trying to get into Europe. When I was, uh, this past spring, I was on a mission trip uh, in Bulgaria and in Serbia. And when we were there, we met so many refugees that were from Syria. As a matter of fact, when we were in Serbia, (coughs) Serbia is not part of the Eastern... It's not part of the the European Union. Uh, And so they're on the outside of the European Union economic block. We were at a hotel where we were staying and where we would would leave in the morning. We'd just go out and do outreach during the day. And at night we'd come back and uh, we'd come to this hotel and uh, there would be all of these families, these, these Syrian families that were that had run from the war, that had taken their families, they had gotten to, they had through, come through Greece and gotten to Serbia, and they were trying to get into Hungary and into Europe so they could immigrate and have a better life. And these Syrian families had no place to live. Some of them actually had money, but they had no place to sleep. And we were sitting in the, uh, in the lobby talking with the team a little bit that evening, and, you know, every few minutes... Uh, a Syrian family would come in, uh, you know, with the hijab, and the, the dad would be there, and all these kids, and they'd come in, and they'd say, they'd ask the guy at the counter, you know, is do you have any free rooms? And he would say, no, we have no free rooms. And I knew that there were free rooms. Actually, there were a lot of rooms that were free, and this these families were not allowed to stay there because of the political situation that. If they were allowed to stay there, and if they were, uh, if they were, because they were not documented, they were, they were not, uh, they were not documented residents, and so the transaction would have to be basically illegal. They would have to be money under the table for them to stay at that hotel as illegals, and the police had, at other, you know, we had heard from the hotel that the police had been there before and cracking down on these on these uh, people that were just these refugees. And that's a sad situation. But when you see that, you ask yourself, why? Why does this happen? And I want to answer this question today, and I want to maybe take a couple services to talk about this. 
that if our purpose is not defined in our life, then what will happen is, is we're going to start to wander. We're going to wander. We're going to wander into the bushes. We're going to, you know, if we're driving somewhere and we forget where we're going, have you ever done that? You know, you're just wondering, well, where am I going? It hasn't happened to me yet. Maybe soon. <laughs> But I'm dri- you know, you're driving somewhere and then you forget where you're going and so you don't know which turn to take and then you take a turn that looks good and it, and it really is a bad decision. And so you, our purpose as a young person, as a teenager, as a preteen, as an older person, it needs to be defined. I remember being in high school and just really, you know, just being on the outside all the time, just never really fitting in. We moved a lot, so we never really made a lot of friends and... So I'd go to school and always be kind of on the outside and kind of feeling like I have no purpose, you know. And when I turned 17, I really had this crisis because I had no purpose in my life. And at that time, I, went on, I was invited to go on a mission trip overseas, which was the best thing that ever happened to me outside of getting saved and, and the woman that I married, my wife. And I remember going on that mission trip and just... Just, it was only five days, six days, but it totally changed my life because as I saw them do evangelism on the street and share Christ with people and, and uh, do something outside of our comfort zone, I understood that this is the life that I want to live. This is purpose. And so when I discovered that, my whole life changed. I had purpose. I had desire. I had discipline. I was flunking out of high school, and, my, and I had one more year, my senior year, to make it. And you know what? I made it. I had to take night classes and everything, but I did it. And I finished my high school, and I, I got the degree and everything. I got my diploma. Why? Because there was a vision in my life. There was a purpose. There was something that was not there before, but now is. Uh, I have a great-grandmother who passed away many years ago. My great-grandmother and my great-grandfather, they're actually from Europe. They came from Denmark. They migrated over to uh, in the late 1800s to take advantage of a better life in, in upstate New York, Troy, New York. And uh, they had been through a lot together. But when, when my great-grandfather died, uh, my great-grandmother, within a year, died. She passed away herself. And she, I found a letter after my mom had passed away. I found a letter of my, from my great-grandmother to my grandmother. And she said this, that um, my husband has died. He's the joy of my life. And now I have no purpose for living. I'm so depressed. And within a year, she was gone. She herself died. And so when we, when we don't have the proper purpose and we don't understand our eternal purpose, then, then we begin to literally begin to die. And so Paul here talks about his purpose. Paul here is at the end of his life in Acts 26. And he, he's speaking to a King Agrippa who... At this point, there is a judgment going on. He is about ready to lose his life. Uh, Paul is now actually making his case to, to Agrippa. And he begins to tell, Paul begins to talk about his testimony about how he met Christ. And let's read this together, Acts 26, verse 16. It says this, But rise and stand on your feet. This is Jesus Christ was speaking to Paul at this moment on the road to Damascus, if you remember correctly. Jesus said, But rise and stand to your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. 
I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles whom now, whom, to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Now those two verses give us seven purposes that God has for you and I. And I want to go through these seven purposes this morning. And I want you to write these purposes down. And I want you to go over them and think about them. Because they're biblical. These are from the Bible. I think every morning when we wake up, we need to, uh, we need to orient ourselves to our purpose. Because if we don't, we're going to wander through our day. And at the end of the day, we're just going to be scratching our head like, what happens? And these seven purposes are also purposes that are going to be checkpoints for us that as we go along our life and as we go along what we do in the church, you know, some of us are getting more and more involved in the church, and that's great. I always want us to remember what our our ultimate purpose is in the church, and we're going to talk about that here. Our purpose, really, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 11, is an eternal purpose. Now, there are three Greek words There are three words in the original language of the Bible that describe the word purpose. Basically, two of them talk about man's purposes. Like, I remember when I graduated from college, you know, the talk was, I mean, from high school, the talk was, okay, go to college, get a a degree, find a wife, have kids, get married, have kids, uh, get established in your career, and just, you know, and then buy a house, and, and then when you get old, then live with your kids, (laughs) have your kids take care of you. And that was really the purpose that was the natural purposes. But what happens if life changes and you cannot, you find yourself, you can't do those things, and you find yourself without purpose. And so this is why our purpose has to be eternal. And it can't be just limited to, to natural things. Yes, we have to have natural goals and natural purposes. Yes, God gives us, uh, in our life, vision for our family, for our job, but our ultimate purpose in our life has to go beyond just eating, drinking, and living, sleeping, and working. Paul here gives, in these, in these uh, three verses, 16, 17, and 18 of chapter 26, seven different purposes that I, that I could see this morning when I, when, I, when I was reading these verses. The first of the seven. And by the way, I want to just give you some background of this word purpose. Uh, where does the word purpose come from in the Bible? Um, well, we know what the word purpose means. It's my intent, my determination, my direction. It's my compass. It's my, it's my big why. My why. And the word purpose really comes from the Old Testament. <clears throat> the word purpose comes from the Old Testament... And we see the first time that the word purpose is used, it's not necessarily used as a word, but it's used as an illustration. Can I get a glass of water? Um, someone grab me a glass of water. Uh, the word purpose is really illustrated in a, in a picture. And this is the way God does things. This is how God teaches us. He uses pictures. He uses symbolism in the Old Testament. And I want to, I want to show this to you that in the Old Testament, do you remember the tabernacle, the temple where the, 
the priests would minister. There was the Ark of the Covenants. There was the candlestick, the golden candlestick. Uh, there were different items in the tabernacle. Thank you very much. Uh, and in these items in the tabernacle, each item had a purpose, and it was a picture, wasn't it? Each item had a picture in the Old Testament, and the Old Testament was were pictures for you and I. So the first time that we really see this concept of what it means to have purpose is really in the temple. Now, just now, follow me here for a minute because I don't want you to get lost. When in Hebrews chapter nine, <clears throat> verse two, it talks about the different items in the temple, and one of the items in the temple was this bread. It's called showbread. It was bread that was on display. It was a showbread. It was these 12 little loaves, small little loaves of bread. Each loaf was representing the tribe of Israel. And these loaves were placed inside of the holy place of the temple. And they were there before the presence of God. And they were also there for the priest to eat when he was ministering there in the temple. And I don't want to get into a lot of detail of that, but the word that the Greeks used, or the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the Septuagint, the word there is used, purpose. That's interesting, isn't it? Prothesis. That the bread there was actually called purpose. It was called, it was a showbread. And what does that mean for us today? That the word purpose really means to set forth something like this bread, to set something forth, to put something forward. Like, for example... We're here today, like when we have communion in our church, we are putting the bread out and the drink, right? And the way that the, in a very simple way to explain this, the way this was described to the Hebrew mind was purpose. So when the Hebrew looked, or when the priest was in the tabernacle serving and looked at the bread at the table in the presence of God, he understood that the purpose of this bread was to eat it in the presence of God. It was communion with God. And what does bread mean in the Bible? Can someone give me a Bible verse that, that describes the purpose of bread in the Bible? Matthew 4, verse 4. The man shall not live by what? Bread alone, but by what? Every word of God. Here's another verse, John chapter 6, verse 35. Jesus said, I am the what? I am the bread of life. Right, you guys read your Bible, that's great. John 6, verse 35. I am the bread of life. So, think with me, stay with me here. The bread on the table represents who? Represents who? Jesus Christ. And who was Jesus Christ? He was what? The purpose of God, wasn't he? He was the purpose of God. God so loved the world that he sent his son to what? Die, pay for our sins, to rise again victorious over our sin over our over our past and by the way you and I we are, we we should never live in our past we are not our past we are we are victorious over our past don't let your past impact your present so that you can't go forward in your future too many people live in their past the past is the past and you just got to say you know what there's no do overs that's it the best thing i can do today is today live with god receive grace and go forward and not live in condemnation. And so what does purpose in the Old Testament mean? It speaks of communion 
with God through Jesus Christ. Is that clear? The bread on the table, meaning prothesis, meaning purpose. So purpose in the Old Testament is defined by you and I as priests and kings, fellowshipping with God in His presence, eating the bread of Jesus Christ, communing with Jesus Christ. Or another more practical picture is the Word of God. When you and I are in the Word, when God speaks to you a Bible verse, what is that? That's manna. That's bread in the presence of God. That is purpose, right? Because many times people can get their purpose wrong. Well, I am going to do this for God. Well, God is not asking us to do something for Him. God wants us to commune with Him with the bread of Jesus Christ. Because there's a part of us that really wants to work hard for God. <clears throat> and if there's some, something that happens in our life where we are no longer able to, where we think that we're not useful for God, then we feel like we're not spiritual people. Well, I just sit around and I don't do anything. I'm not a spiritual person like this other person who is so busy in the church. That is wrong thinking. We cannot think that way. Purpose is to fellowship with Jesus Christ, fellowship in the presence of God over Jesus Christ, to think about his life, to read through the Gospels. And you know, when was the last time that you and I just read through the Gospels, reading the life of Christ? Start in the book of Matthew and just read the story like a book. It'll inspire you. It'll build you up. It'll encourage you. And I want you to remember this, that purpose in the Old Testament begins with communion with God. This is my purpose. What is my purpose today? To hear from God. What are you going to do for God today? Well, I'm just going to read his Bible and I'm going to hear from God and I'm going to get built up. And really our purpose as Christians boils down to two things. And I want to just mention these things to you briefly. Um, basically, these seven things can boil down to two things. Number one, hearing about hearing about Christ and getting saved and coming to Christ. That's Matthew chapter eleven twenty nine, isn't it? Come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden and that are burdened. I will give you rest for your souls. That's the first purpose, Um, really. That's the first purpose of two major purposes of God in our lives. That we would find Christ, like Carl said, that we would be born again. You know, that we'd be born again. My wife and I met this Indian guy in Doylestown. And he was just telling us how he prays to all the gods to make sure he doesn't offend any of them so he doesn't miss anybody. And I said, how many of those gods in India, by the way, there's 250 million different gods in India. I asked him, how many of those gods rose again from the dead? How many of them were murdered by the people that he was sent to and then rose on the third day? And he thought for me, he goes, none of those 250 million gods ever rose from the dead. Actually, none of them ever died. I said, see? I said, that's why I believe in Jesus Christ, because there's only one person on this planet that was murdered, that was killed, that was crucified, and rose on the third day. That's why I believe in Jesus Christ. And the second great purpose is this, is that we would take the bread and just give it to other people. Take the show bread and just put it forth, right? Just share the bread with other people. Share Christ with people. That's the second 
You and I have breath in our lungs today to share Christ with people. That's really, I mean, God has blessed us with a great life, hasn't he? I mean, we're not standing in lines today waiting for uh, provisions or rations. I mean, times are tough in America, but you know something? We do have, a, we live actually a great life here. We are living an awesome life. And our purpose in our life today is the, the top purpose is really, um, this, you know, the second major purpose in our life is really to share Christ, to show forth Christ. But I want to give you these seven purposes of God in your life, you know. And these seven purposes are going to answer every question in our life of why things happen, okay? Number one, and you're going to hear these two major purposes that I just gave you in these seven purposes. Number one, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. And write these purposes down because they're going to help you answer your questions in the future. 2 Timothy 1, verse 9. The first purpose here of God in your life is really to be called to Jesus Christ and to be delivered and to commune with Him. We are called to Jesus Christ, called to commune with Him. And right, this is what we're doing this morning. We are communing together, aren't we? We're just speaking about the bread of life from the bread of life. We're talking about Jesus Christ. I'm not here to give you a religious program that you have to fulfill. I'm not giving you some kind of religious law. I'm telling you, we are telling you about the great salvation that we have in Jesus Christ and how wonderful God is. That This is 2 Timothy 1 verse 9, that we are called to Jesus Christ, not according to our own works, but according to the grace whereby he saved us. And that's number one. Our purpose in our life, that we are first, we are first called to Jesus Christ. And that's the first thing that we start our day with, or if we're having a midday time of prayer or an evening time of prayer, we always want to start with this, say, you know what, I am called to, to Jesus Christ and the grace of God. That's where we're at today. Isn't it interesting, and I said this to my wife when we were visiting family recently, isn't it interesting that God kept sending prophets to the nation of Israel and Israel kept killing them? Isn't that amazing? Did God stop sending his prophets to Israel? I think if we went somewhere and we were rejected, we might probably never ever talk to those people again. We would say, well, I was rejected. That's interesting, isn't it? That God has called us according to his grace. That is purpose number one of my life. I'm called according to his grace. Not according to what I've done or cannot do. called according to his grace. Number two, Romans 8 verse 29. We're called, our purpose is to be transformed into the image of Christ. And maybe that's why God has you at, at your job. Because you're revealing Christ in some way to these people. And you know what? Maybe you're not making a lot. Maybe you are making a lot. I don't know. But maybe sometimes you scratch your head. Why am I working with these people? Um, maybe the purpose is, is that he is transforming you into the image of Christ for these people. I remember being at my job one time and just being in this situation. I was on my lunch break and I was working with some very weird people, very strange people. They were just, they were all very strange. And I was just wondering, God, why am I here? I'm a Bible college student, and these people are just all very strange people. And God said, they're going to go to hell if they don't get saved. And I just remember eating my sandwich thinking, my coworkers, if they die without Christ, are going to spend an eternity in a burning hell. And I thought, wow, that's unbelievable. And what I did was I just 
I prayed that God would give me an opportunity to share Christ with them. And I got a chance to share Christ with them. And that's really to be changed into the image of Christ. You know, when I'm ministering in the church and serving in the church or doing something, my desire is, is that I would reveal Christ and that, I'm not, that I would not be revealing my flesh to people. Yes, flesh is going to come up, but how do we deal with it? We just take it to the cross and say, you know, excuse me, that was my flesh. Uh, give me a second, I've got to drag that to the cross right now. And, then, and we just share Christ with people. And that's number two, that's to be changed in His image. Why do things happen to us? Well, He wants us to be changed into the image through the power of the Holy Spirit, into the image of Jesus Christ, that Christ would be revealed. Why were people... Why are people? Why are Christians being persecuted in the Middle East? Somebody may say, "Well, that's such a waste." But do you know the testimony of Jesus Christ right now to the Muslim world through Christians that are being beheaded and that are being killed? Christ is being manifested. Number three, the third purpose is Romans chapter nine, verse eleven, and it's an amazing purpose because before you and I were born. And before that we could do anything good or anything bad, before we could make any mistakes in our life, God's purpose and His calling were in effect. Paul says this in Galatians chapter 1, verse 15, that when I was in my mother's womb, I was set apart for the gospel. Isn't it amazing that God's plan in your life started before you could make any mistakes? God's plan didn't start in your life when you cleaned everything up. God's plan started before your history even began. Galatians chapter 1, verse 15, Paul said that when I was in my mother's womb, I was separated unto the gospel. I was separated unto the call of God, which is amazing because God's calling and gifts in your life are not based on our performance or our behavior. That's why every day is a brand new day for us. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? That's the purpose of God. Uh, number four, and this is something that we had already mentioned in Ephesians 3, verses 8 and 9. Paul said that I may make all men see what is the mystery of Christ. Paul was so passionate about preaching and, and was so passionate about sharing Christ that people would see who Jesus Christ really was. You know, Paul met Jesus at the road to Damascus. Paul was so impacted by that just that few-minute conversation with Jesus Christ he was passionate for the rest of his life that other people would see that same Christ. And we see this happen many times. How many of us in some way have seen Jesus Christ in our life on the road to Damascus? And we really want to tell people our testimony. And that was Paul's passion. And that, was, that is the purpose of God to preach Christ. And that is number four to a lost and dying world. Uh, number five, Ephesians 1 verse 11 the purpose of God is, is that everything that happens in our life in Ephesians 1 verse 11 has a purpose according to God's will. There's nothing that is random. You know, my check engine light went on this morning. I was, I was driving to church and I thought, there's a purpose of God in that. Because <laughs> the day before, yesterday, I met a guy who works at this place where I take my car to get service. So maybe I take my car to that guy and I'm able to meet this guy again. You know, everything has a purpose. In Ephesians 1, verse 11, uh, your bills have a purpose. Everything that's happening in our life has a purpose. And, you know, if we don't know what the purpose is, then just wait on the Lord and trust God and, and don't lose patience and don't lose hope. Just wait on the Lord because 
in time the answer will come. Number six, Ephesians 3 verse 10. Our purpose in Ephesians 3 verse 10 is to reveal to each other and to the angels and to the demons the wisdom of God. To reveal. Do you know that angels and demons are watching our lives? And what are they seeing? They are seeing the manifestation of the grace of God. They're seeing, because angels and demons are very, you know, they're angelic. They are not limited to bodies. They're, 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 they have a lot more power than, than the human body has. And they look at us as very weak vessels. You know, it's like us looking at an ant, you know. You know, just trying to struggle, you know, with its, with its, with its, uh, with what it's doing. But what do they see in weakness? They see the power of God. They see hope. They see faith when there is no faith. They see hope when there is no hope in a person's life. They see hope. And that is the manifestation. That's the purpose of God. God wanted to reveal to angels and demons the amazing power of God in a weak vessel. Isn't it amazing? That when, the, when you and I are the weakest and we feel like we're the worst sinners... We're like, we just feel like we are unsaved Hitlers or something, or we feel like Saddam Hussein that day. You know something? Remember that, that we are saved by grace and we are kept by grace, and that when we think that way, we're manifesting the grace of God to an unseen world, and that's the purpose of God. And then number seven, and the last purpose, is Acts 11, verse 23, to continue with the Lord with purpose of heart. Our purpose... God's purpose in our life is that we would continue. That we would just continue, Hosea chapter 6, that we would just continue, just keep coming out, keep drawing near, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together. Don't quit. Can I just tell you in your life, don't quit. Who are the losers, those people that quit? Not the people that fail. There's a lot of failures out there. All of us fail. But who are the losers? The losers are the ones that quit and just say, you know what, I'm not going to try anymore. And as long as there's breath in our lungs, God has a purpose. And that purpose is an eternal purpose. And that eternal purpose answers our, answers our questions why. When we are in trouble, or when we're in great need, or in great temptation, we need to revert to our purpose and say, why am I doing this again? <laughs> you know, sometimes we ask ourselves, why am I doing this? How did I get into this situation? Well, God brought me here. And God's purpose is that I would manifest Christ in this situation. Okay, so I can manifest Christ in this situation. And I'm going to receive grace and manifest Christ. And that is so great. Like, you know, why do we live here? Why are we in this church? Why do we, why does God choose to keep us on this earth instead of just taking us to heaven when we get saved? Because we have an opportunity to receive from God, to be delivered from the power of as we read here, of the devil and the power of the world, and to be a witness, to, to witness to, actually, to our families and to our communities. And when you know what? When you and I do what we do by faith, and we just do it by faith, maybe it's nothing amazing. Maybe we just do it by faith. There's a, there's a manifestation of the nature of Jesus Christ. A cup of cold water in Jesus' name is a manifestation of the kindness of Jesus Christ. Uh, what we do on community day or what we do when we visit somebody, when we minister to somebody, when we minister to our husband or our wife, that is a revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen? Don't get confused about the small things that you do 
because they are, have great purpose and they have great, great impact. Amen? So tonight I just want to finish the subject of the spiritual fruit. I want to go, go through them, talk about them in a practical way. So I want to encourage you to come out tonight if you have time. So let's just close in prayer.